Good morning, guys. I'll be reading from Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Kerwin. <laughs> this is my grandpa, guys. Yes. Okay. Isn't she beautiful? Thank you, Kylie. Well, I love seeing new faces. I love seeing faces that we know, both here at Carlton Landing. A few of you have heard part of this message. Cole asked me to speak this week and wrap up Ephesians. And uh, uh, I actually preached on this a few years ago. And uh, But the Lord has given fresh bread and some, some thoughts that... Uh, it's put on my heart, it must be for you. I was reminded, actually this morning, of a time I went to church and I heard a familiar passage. I bet a lot of you have heard the armor of God, and you think, oh, I know that. I got that. Maybe, maybe we think, sometimes we think we got that. Now, I remember going to, to church uh, a few years ago. I was coaching. I was a young coach, more than a few years ago. I was a young coach at uh, Wausau High School. I was coaching basketball there, and and uh, we went to church on a Wednesday night. We were, that was a church. We were Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and sometimes another day during the week. We were going to church a lot and loved that, that season. But I remember our pastor getting up and preaching about power of the tongue and controlling the tongue. And I was actually so arrogant. I sat there and said, I think I've got that. I think, I think I've been doing pretty good in that job in that area lately. I'm, Thank you, Lord. And within 24 hours, I had gone in and, and had a conversation with assistant coach at Owasso and so offended him, he walked out and said, I'm through and walked into the AD's office and resigned. And the AD thought he was a very sound man and a very good man and a very good coach. And, uh, and I was just some young coach there. And I realized I didn't have it, that we are constantly needing the word to wash us and wash us and remind us that sin is there. It's in the world. And uh, sadly, it, that, well, the good thing is that man forgave me, you know, and he's, he's a really good friend and was a very good friend after that because he had the Holy Spirit in him and the Lord had uh, let him do that. So we, we're here to, uh, this morning, and I'm looking forward to this. Cole last week got through uh, Ephesians 5, late in Ephesians 5, and the first part of Ephesians 6, and talked about a Christ-centered life and how that impacts marriage, a Christ-centered life, how that impacts children, and 
how they respond to their parents and honor and respect their parents and a Christ-centered life, how that looks as a father that deals with his children, uh, a Christ-centered life, what that looks like as an employee or an employer. And now we come to a portion of the scripture that says, uh, how do we live our lives without falling to the attacks of the evil one? How do we keep Christ at the center of our life and live in such a way that we're, we're given this, this recipe for living well in the times that we're in and in, in, the, in the temptations that we face that we can live well with Christ even as we're facing a ruthless enemy. We are at war. And we have, the world's been at war. Um, since this world was created, it's been at war. Satan had a great place in heaven, but he wanted to exalt himself. He wanted to be God. He opposed God. He opposed everything that is good. He was opposed to Adam and Eve. They were made in the image of God, and he hated that. And he told the first lies in history. He lied and deceived through clever language and tempted and convinced Eve to sin and Adam to sin. We see this war continue in the Old Testament. We see this war in the New Testament. We see the attacks on Jesus. Satan wanted to kill baby Jesus. Jesus came to give his life, but it was at the time appointed by God, the Heavenly Father, in His time, in His will. And Satan wanted to disrupt that. So it's nothing new, this attack on mankind and on the earth. It's unavoidable. It's going to be here until the Heavenly Father comes back victorious and triumphant again. It's a war not against flesh and blood. It's a war against uh, the forces of evil and darkness, against uh, it's a spiritual war. Maybe, maybe you've seen this in your life or your family. We have. We often see it as an invisible war. It doesn't. We don't even. We don't even know what's going around us. Sometimes as things are very peaceful, but we see the effects of it. We see the aftermath of it. We've lived with addiction in our family. And you want to get angry at the person. But it's a spiritual war that's going on. It's a spiritual battle that's being fought. And we're, we're praying for spiritual restoration. We're praying for a spiritual, different spiritual outlook. And it can be in so many areas. When there's, when there's brokenness in a home, when there's unfaithfulness, when there's, I mean, you name the sin, it can wreck any part of our lives or our families this war that's going on. When Nancy and I quarrel with each other, and that's a nice word. When we have a disagreement, and that's a little nicer. When we're angry at each other, or we talk sharply to each other, that's a spiritual battle. Satan would love to destroy our marriage, just dent our marriage, just make it be ineffective, just cause strife between us. That's a spiritual battle. 
It's invisible. It's going on all the time, many times, and sometimes it's not. Satan would love us to, to relax and be apathetic about it. The Garden of Eden was a wonderful place. It's a place you wouldn't have thought there's going to be any problems here when God made it. We can come to Carlton Landing. This is a wonderful, peaceful place. And we could be someplace else. It's a wonderful and peaceful place. And our homes may be peaceful at times. But Satan would love to wreck that. And he is relentless. He would love for me not to finish well. so easy for us to look at our children and say they're doing well our grandchildren are doing well they've won this award they've had this accomplishment they're at this next step the truth is we'd better keep praying it's, a, it's like an elephant sitting on your chest when a child or a grandchild knows the gospel, has proclaimed the gospel, and one day says, I don't know what I believe about the gospel anymore. That's, that's a battle. We can never stop praying, never stop. Never stop. I went to um, a funeral of a former basketball player this last week. Terrific, terrific athlete. 5'11", young man and his twin brother could dunk the ball with two hands easily. Very explosive. Great players. Great young men. Love the Lord. And just a joyful time to coach them. And he, uh, he was famous for his joy, his love for the Lord. He sang in his church youth group, uh, church uh, praise team. He was a financial officer of his church, a very young man who's just passed away of cancer. And uh, we look at his family and say, man, they're in a battle. A wife that's alone, a young wife that's alone, five children, young children. Where's the dad? Parents are grieving their son, a twin brother who a big part of him has left. Many, many friends at that huge funeral. And I think there it's really easy to see, wow, this is a battle. This is, this is, we look back and say, how can they get through that? How can they survive that? His wife got up and spoke and she said, uh, I want to let you know how I'm doing. I'm trusting the Lord. When, uh, when we lost a baby, Bryant came in and said, we're just going to trust the Lord. We're not going to try to understand. You know the scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and he will direct my paths. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm not even going to try to understand. I'm just going to trust. I think when we're in those circumstances, it's easy to see the war that's around us and the battle that's going on. But oftentimes, it's very subtle. 
In Ephesians 6, 11, it says, put on the full armor of God's so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. This, the devil has so many schemes. He is so cunning. He's so clever. He wants to harm. He wants to destroy. He would love to destroy our marriage. He would love to destroy our home. He would love to destroy our testimony. He'd love to destroy this church. He'd love to destroy anything that's good. Anything. He accuses one to another. He's the accuser. He's a slanderer. He's the prince of darkness. He's the father of lies. There's nothing but lies in him. He deceives, he distorts. If there's any truth there, it's with the intention to deceive and distort. It's a half-truth. He's a tempter. And he says he is, presents himself as an angel of light. That he will look attractive and make something look attractive to draw in and yet with the purpose to destroy. With Satan, a little sin is not enough. How many of us have looked at lives and said, how did they get to there? That was unthinkable. How did, how did this occur? And it starts with a, a thought that's not checked to a word that was, shouldn't be said to an action that shouldn't have been taken to you name it, step after step after step and to a point of where we say, why did we take the first step before it destroyed our family, our home? Satan wants destruction. He doesn't want a little pain. He would love to convince us there's no ongoing battle, that there's battles going on all the time. This scripture is precious to me because I've had to lean on it myself and uh, heavily. In the battle for the mind, we're going to have times in our life it's going to be a terrific battle for the mind. And most of this is the battle for the mind and the heart. My late wife with terminal cancer, she left me a book of, of notes I didn't discover until after she had passed. She'd been writing in the few uh, weeks before she passed. And she said, Dear Kerwin, I found this after she had passed. You are a member of God's army. You truly believe that God's word is infallible and true. I have witnessed your acceptance of this. I imagine you as a great warrior for our great God's cause. Please open his word and beg him to teach you what it means to put on his armor to be a warrior in his army. Listen to him. Listen to him. Read Psalms 107 often. You know how we talked about that. Please hear that great comforter's voice. Take away the clutter of your mind in deciphering the logical conclusions you're good at. Please listen to him, dear husband. Lower your wings. 
clear your mind. Listen. Kerwin, how I wish I could be at your side right now, fighting for God's cause. However, it looks he may not have that in his plan, but it'll still be great. It'll be great. We know that he works all things for good that love him, and I imagine his good letting you be a mighty warrior for God's cause. You can do it. Our God has prepared you. You've experienced love the way the good Lord intended. You've experienced joy and sorrow in many kinds, enough to make you a great soldier, now a sober-minded soldier. I imagine the Lord letting you be instrumental in fighting for his cause. He is worth it, Kerwin. Our great God is worth you giving every ounce of your energy to gather men and women to fight with you. You can do it. You can convince others to put away their petty thinking and to get themselves fit for God's army. You can convince them to put on their armor of God. My dying has given you a dimension that you were missing. It has made you stronger in the Lord. Kerwin, what if... You are the answer to my bold prayers before getting cancer. My prayers to see a leader warrior lead other men in the church to be victorious, bold warriors in God's army. What if you, my husband, are the brave heart like William Wallace that encircles the men on your horse and leads them into spiritual battle? Well, we have a God that came here, thankfully, that, brought it, that had his son come here. And uh, Satan wants to lie and steal and destroy, but our God sent his son, Jesus Christ, that we can know life and not just eternal life, that we can know it and know it more abundantly. John 10, it says, the thief comes only, the only thing the thief, that Satan wants to do, only purpose he has is to kill and destroy and steal. But it says, I, Jesus says, I have come to give life and give it fully. We certainly face temptations in this world that says that we have three enemies. We have the world, and we know that Christ overcame the world. We have the flesh. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christ overcame that and we can overcome that. And we have this enemy that we've been talking about this morning. This enemy that wants to accuse and cast guilt and cast shame. This is not conviction of sin that we confess. This is shame and guilt that we want I remember my first wife passed. I've only done one thing pretty good in my life. And I, I helped my wife finish well, my late wife finish well. I, I thank the Lord for the strength he gave me to do that. And the moment she passed away when I was with her, within a minute, I had these thoughts. Thank God for the resurrection. Thank God for the resurrection. And a minute after that, the accuser was there in my face saying, why didn't you, why didn't you do, fill in the blank. Why didn't you spend time with her instead of talk to that friend that came by the house? 
Why didn't you set in here instead of set in there that last hour? Satan loves to accuse. We don't want to underestimate this enemy. And I tell you, I don't want to overestimate this enemy. Somewhere there's a balance in here. Because Jesus has secured the victory. The battle is won. Jesus has got it. Through the cross, through the blood, through the blood of Jesus Christ, and through the resurrection, there is victory. And we can walk in it. We have the victory. And this passage tells us how to walk in victory. It's not not going to be a question if we can do it. It's a question if we take all of the armor of God and put it on us, and then we will have, be able to walk into the victory. We fight from a place of victory. I always like coaching when we, we're in a place of victory. I always like having the better players, having the best team. All we have to do is kind of do what we need to do. If we don't mess it up, we're going to win. I like those kind of teams. There's a lot of things. Well, we're on a great team. With Jesus Christ. We're on a great team. The victory's ours. He is far more powerful than our enemy and our opponent. He gives us the victory. And, and um, we're going to get to see to do that. In Romans 8, 35 through 39, great passage here. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither present nor, nor future or any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Believers in Jesus Christ are his children. Can you imagine our God not wanting to give us every favor and love and protect us? And he's he's doing that in, in Ephesians 6 today when he tells us how to protect ourselves. We do not need to live in fear. Fear is of the enemy. Fear is used by the enemy as one of his tactics. We do not have to live in fear because we've got the answer from God's word. We're to stand firm, stand strong. In this, in this armor of God, there's no protection for the back. None. We can face our enemy. We can face this world under the power of the blood of Christ and of Jesus Christ. And we can stand firm in the power of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Man. Man. Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Four times he says, stand. Stand. Doesn't say there's any falling here. He doesn't say we'll stumble. He doesn't say run away. He says, stand in the power of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6.13, therefore put on the full armor of God. So when the day of the evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand again. Stand. In Ephesians 6.14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate 
of righteousness in place. Paul says to stand and to put on the entire armor of God, the whole armor of God, not just part of the armor of God. Now, we need, we need, to, we need it all. I have, a, I have a, a, a friend that I coached 30 years ago, 29 years ago, and he was a special, special young man, very, very gifted, good athlete, but a gifted academic student and strong personality, strong will. And we sometimes went like that coaching and, and uh, he, was a, he was a challenge and I was a challenge for him. But the Lord, he was in my youth group, he was in my FCA group, he was in basketball team, he couldn't get away from me and, and uh, that probably made it hard too. But the Lord really put him on my heart. Uh, I've had uh, six students the Lord has put on my heart to pray for. Decades, decades, put their picture behind my mirror in the bathroom. Just the Lord planted them. He was one of them. So I thought the Lord's going to do something special with this guy. And uh, so when he graduated from the Air Force Academy, he called me and said, will you coach you when we come up to graduation? I said, yes. And uh, when he was selected to be a finalist for the comp- competing for a top gun, his name is Drew Allen. I don't know if you got a picture up there. He's a great young man. Uh, so he was selected as one of the 20 top pilots in the world and went specialized training for one year at Edwards Air Force Base and there is a top gun, there's literally a top gun in our armed services and uh, he was the guy and he invited me, got to invite four people to come out, his parents and me and my late wife we flew out there and got to do that and at different stages over 29 years he's included me in different things as he went to the Pentagon as he went up the chain in the military world and uh, so this last July, he, he uh, invited me to come out for his retirement in Las Vegas. He was, he'd been given command of three, uh, three, three command bases where they're doing top secret work. He's uh, great in research, and, and uh, I got to do that. It was a great, and you know, what I learned, and he didn't, there was nothing shared that was class, class, classified. But I just what wasn't classified opened my eyes that this country is under a lot of attacks from a lot of different directions. And we've got a lot of people on it. And they're working on all kinds of defense and military options to protect our country. As I sat there with a three-star general who's the Air Force liaison with the CIA. And, uh, we're pretty naive to the threats against our country. And uh, realize we have to have all these systems in place to, def- to, develop, to protect our countries. We have to have them all. We just, in, in the simplest way to say, it's the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, and the Sky military groups. But there's lots of systems out there protecting us from technology to biological to lots of things. And uh, he didn't share that, but I, what I've read. And... We're the same way with Satan. We need all of these armaments, all of these pieces of armor in place. They all need to be in place. It says, put on the whole armor of God twice. He repeats it. And he says again in this passage, put on the whole armor of God. And so there we are right there. And it says, it says the first one is truth, the belt of truth. And 
maybe King James Version or other versions you've said is the girdle, the girdle up uh, with truth. Truth's the foundation. At some point, if you say there's truth, then it, the implication is there's not truth. There's lies. And that's why the world wants to say it's relative. Your truth, your truth, my truth, my truth. And God says there is truth. There is absolute truth, and it's in the Word of God here. And we're to speak truth, and we're to seek truth, and it's all to be measured against the Word of God. Jesus never lies. He always keeps his promises. And he says there's a breastplate of righteousness. Stand firm. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. And righteousness means we've been made right. We have the righteousness of, of Christ. So many of these, these things in, in this armor of God is to protect our minds and our heart. This is a spiritual battle. It's not going to be uh, physical things here. He said, understand, you are covered by the blood of Christ. And you're made righteous. Kerwin Deasy, you're made righteous. When, when the Almighty God looks down at me, he sees his son. He sees what his son's done for me. And he looks at me like his son. Can you imagine? Little old punk kid from Prairie Grove, Arkansas. And you're... Old, old ball coach, and you're like his son. The righteousness that Christ gives us protects our heart. Obedience to God is a protection for our heart and keeps us from being wounded by sin. And then we see these shoes, this gospel of peace, and peace is the, an attribute of our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father is peaceful, it's part of his character. Uh, the Greek word for Peace is oneness. Imagine him saying, you can have the gospel of peace. You can have the gospel being the good news that my sins have been forgiven because of my belief in Jesus Christ. And because of that, I can have a oneness with Christ. And this may not be a big deal, but has, have you ever known someone or have you ever been? I have been. A thought come in, am I... I want... Am I saved? Am I born again? Am I? There's, the accuser is always trying to beat us up and make us think God is less. I mean, God, we're, we're, we're less. God, God, through our belief in his son and the blood of his son shed for our sins and his resurrection has redeemed us. And we can be peaceful about that. We don't have to live in worry about that. And through the Holy Spirit, peace in the Holy Spirit produces peace, and we can have peace with others as well. And then we come down to, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, God can't give, give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. Eternal happiness and peace comes from a God when we are in relationship with him. Then we see the shield of faith. The shield of faith says, will protect us from all, A-L-L, all fiery darts, all attacks, all attacks. And that's the word of God. The word of God, it says in Romans 10, 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of God about Christ. Want to increase our faith? Get in the Word of God. 
Faith is when we believe everything Jesus is telling us without having to have any evidence. He says in his word, I believe it. He says it in scripture, I'm, it, I'm there. I'm for it. Do we have to see something to believe it? Do we believe God at his word? This is the only time in our life, only time we can, we can give God faith. My friend who passed away, former player, I went to his funeral. It's, he's by sight now. He sees everything. He doesn't need faith. He can see it all. Right now, we can give God faith. We can trust his word. A.W. Tozier said, unbelief is actually perverted faith, for it puts faith not in the living God, but in dying men. See, everyone has faith in something. I choose to put my faith in his word, God's word, and in Jesus Christ. True faith rests upon the character of God, A.W. Tozier goes on to say, and asks no further proof than the moral perfections of the one who cannot lie. And he tells us, put on the helmet of salvation. Salvation happens the moment we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And of course, in salvation, there's a, a lifelong of sanctification, of growing in Christ, of relationship and building relationship with Christ. Satan is after our mind. He would love to transform. He, he doesn't want to see us transform our mind to be more like Christ, to be focused on Christ. Right thinking leads to right behavior and right living. Our thought life is important. That's why we put on this armor, is for our, to protect our, our minds and our heart. And then we have the sword of the Spirit. It's both an offensive and defensive weapon, and this is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than the Double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing the soul, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In Luke 11, 28, he replied, Better, blessed rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Satan would tell us one thing, and the word of God will counter with the truth. Satan would say to us, hate your enemy. And scripture would say, love your enemy. Satan would say, someone hurts you, take revenge. And scripture would say, bless your enemy. Satan would say, slander your enemy. And scripture would say, pray for your enemy. It's always going to be counter scripture. That's what Jesus did. Satan threw these temptations at Jesus and he answered with scripture and did not sin. And finally, it says, and don't forget about prayer. There's a Bible study our ladies went through. I'm trying to preach today in about 20 minutes what the ladies went through about eight weeks on. Well, how long was it? Armor of God. So Nancy, Nancy was correcting me all the time. But Priscilla Schreier in her Bible study said that without prayer, the other pieces of the armor are not activated. It's an important piece here. It's not to be minimized. Jesus prayed often. I, one of my basketball players says, where's the line between confidence and humility? I said, well, I can tell you, Jesus was very confident. He knew 
what his mission was. He knew why he was here. He knew his purpose. But he always humbled himself to ask his heavenly father, what do you want me to do? What am I to do next? How am I to do it? Our Lord Jesus modeled prayer. Frequently we see that in the scripture. Even Jesus had to spend an entire night in prayer. Intense prayer before he was arrested. Jesus' disciples never asked him how to preach. Pastor Cole, they never asked him how to preach. They did ask him how to pray because they had seen him pray so often and they'd seen the power of prayer. I don't think anybody's ever asked me how to pray. And that's on me. People have asked Nancy how to pray. We've seen the power of her prayers. I'm thankful for that. We have an enemy. We're at war. We don't want to overestimate or underestimate this enemy. Because Christ has won the victory, we can walk in victory through belief, power of his death and resurrection, and his word in our life. Almost all of these tools in this armor of God come back to, I've tried to summarize it in my mind, I may miss this, but so much of it, I'll put it that way, is about the battle for the mind and the heart, and so much of it is about It all starts with relationship, what Jesus has done in our relationship with Jesus and our growing relationship with him and finally obedience to his word. This passage is special to me because I've been in some of those battles that are obvious. First time, as my late wife shared with you in her note to me earlier, the first time I really confronted something so serious was when she was told she had 30 days to live, she taught school that day and went in for a doctor. And I went with her because we were just going to get something to eat at the end of the day on a Friday. And she had a little cough and she felt great. And it started with an x-ray. And you want to throw up? When you see those masses. And doctor, when they move you fast, it's not good. And... Uh, Within a week, there had been a biopsy and scans and all of that, and a doctor calls. We met with a doctor, and he said, I'd give you 30 days to live. You have so many tumors and so many lesions and two huge masses. I don't think with small cell, extensive small cell lung cancer, you will uh, live more than 30 days. If you get great response to treatment, you might get three months. And my late wife said, I'm going to have to get a second opinion. I'm going to talk to Jesus about that. And... Uh, she did, and, and uh, the Lord was really, five times she was told 30 days to live, and uh, four times she said, uh, they're right, but not 30 days. It's going to be longer. And she lived 30 months. Uh, incredible, incredible sweet time. And, uh, uh, and the fifth time she said, I, I prayed, and Jesus, the Holy Spirit confirmed that's right. Uh, and it was. During that journey, uh, the Lord really used that to sober me and grow me. And uh, she was like Nancy. Nancy 
and I've said many times she would be kindred spirits with Nancy. They just love the word and pray. You know, uh, we were talking this morning. I'm uh, so glad to have Rock, who's preached here many times, be in our elder meeting this morning. He just reminded us that real spiritual growth occurs between Sundays for all of us. It's, it's what we do in the daily time, so, some time with Jesus, spending time in the word spending time in prayer, in relationship with Jesus. And thank you for that, that word this morning, that reminder for all of us, elders and all of us. Uh, Nancy's, Nancy's so faithful to do that, and I love that about her. Love our, our, she wants on her tombstone only, only these few words. She told me this week again, she said, you know, when I die, it's not going to cost you much for an obituary. Uh, just say, she prayed. That's all. Nancy D's, she prayed. That's all you need to put on there. But I do get irritated because I try to call her when I'm at work in the morning. She won't answer. Because when she's in her prayer time, she won't answer. See, I don't know what you do. What do you do with your phone during that time? Okay. <laughs> so I, I love that about her. And my late wife was the same way. And during this, during this battle, I'll close with this. During this battle, this cancer walk, there's a, such a battle for the mind. Fear for me, what's next? Why? Didn't really ask a lot of questions to try to understand, but for her, just a battle for the mind. Death's approaching. How do I spend the days? How, I mean, I don't know if you can imagine. So uh, she wrote out her prayers all the time, and I have hundreds of them, and they were never meant to be public, but she did give me permission. She said, pray about what you do, but if you think... Most I won't share because most of them are really praying about ugly things about me. Lord, help him. Uh, but she prayed this during that cancer walk, and she prayed this often and found this prayer. And she said, I was reminded I need to start my days putting on the armor of God. This has helped me in the past when I've dealt with depression. So I've prepared myself a little better for today. Here's my prayer for today. Father, almighty warrior, how I want to be like you. When my spirits are low, when I feel beaten down, just like in a battle, just like Ephesians 6 says, I don't doubt there's a, little, there's a battle going on, and I don't want to lose the battle today. Almighty one, I want to be strong in the Lord. In you, Lord, just like you, I will prepare myself with your character. I will be true today. No falsehoods no lies. I want to stand for truth. I want to delight in your truth. I want to search for your truth and proclaim your truth. You are truth. I will be righteous. Oh, thank you, merciful Father, that I have become your righteousness. Oh, good giver of good gifts, my stinky heart is so undeserving, but here I stand righteous. Oh, miracle of miracles, here I stand righteous. Your holy blood has made a way for me to see truth. My depravity is it shows its ugly head. And your, your holy blood has made a way for me to confess openly right in front of you. Right in front of your pure presence. I hate my sinful ways, but I love your righteousness. And I'm so honored to carry your holy name. And along with that name comes righteousness. Wow, thank you, thank you, dear brilliant one. I re represent righteousness. What glory I share. 
I will remember the peace that I have with you. Satan accuses me, but he's a liar. I'm at peace with you. All is well. It is well with my soul. I am loved and accepted by the most powerful one of all, the Ancient of Days. Nothing else is of any consequence. I will calm myself with this truth. I will believe. I will stand on truth today. I will not let my mind entertain any lies. I will not accept any doubts of your existence. Here is truth. Here is what I believe. You are. You loved me. You are all-powerful. You are good. I will remember that I'm a winner. I have salvation. I'm saved from this sinful body. I'm saved from the penalty of my sins. I'm saved from all evil. I'm saved from these battles today. I'm a winner. I'm with the almighty warrior, the almighty conqueror, the almighty. Oh, meditate on your words. And here lies the strength of my offense. I will discuss everything with you. I will walk in your spirit. I will run everything past you. I will let your view of the big picture dictate my ways. So here are my choices today. I will be true. I will be righteous. I will remember my peace with you. I will believe. I will remember that I'm a winner. I will meditate on your words. I will discuss everything with you. Now, I'm prepared for the day.